Log Talk Radio. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well funded. The other day, the oil companies reported the highest profits in the history of the world. I want to take those profits. And guess what this liberal would be all about? This liberal will be all about socializing. Uh, um, would be about basically taking over and the government running all of your companies. Uh, to that extent, as radical as I think people try to characterize the Warren Court, uh, it wasn't that radical. It didn't break free from the essential constraints that were placed uh, uh, by the Founding Fathers in the Constitution. And one of the, uh, I think, uh, the tragedies of the Civil Rights Movement, uh, I think that there was a tendency to lose track of the political and community organizing and, and activities on the ground that are able to put together the actual coalitions of power through which you bring about redistributive uh, change. They've got a chance of success, too. I think when you spread the wealth around, it's good for it. I brought up the subject of what's going to happen after we take over the government. Uh, you know, we we become responsible then for administrating, you know, 250 million people. I ask, well, what is going to happen to those people that we can't re-educate, that are die-hard cap capitalists? And the reply was that they'd have to be eliminated. And when I pursued this further, they estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill 25 million people. I want you to imagine sitting in a room with 25 people, most of which have graduate degrees from Columbia and other well-known educational centers, and hear them figuring out the logistics for the elimination of 25 million people. And they were dead Situation Report, and your host, Sarge, is subbing, subbing, substituting for, as I put it, the inimitable Dr. C. Robert Jones. And why do I say the inimitable Dr. C. Robert Jones? Because not only is Dr. Jones, who is the uh, steward and owner of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, not only is he inimitable, he is a conservative of the first degree, of the highest ethical principle, a conservative who is a former Marine officer, a commissioned field officer in the United States Marine Corps. And additionally, he holds a philosopher's degree in history from the College of William and Mary. Uh, he's a, uh, a, a professionally trained historian and researcher. And believe me, this gentleman is the real deal. And for me, believe me, it is an honor that he has allowed me to host the show in his absence because, as we all know, those of us who listen to Dr. Jones' uh, Situation Report know 
the uh, first-rate stellar job he does in bringing to us the issues of the day from a principled conservative viewpoint. And so I'm here to do the best I can in his absence to keep the torch uh, lit until he returns, which will be sometime next week, I believe, on Monday. But in the meantime, you will have to endure the discordant tones of Sarge and that's me as I discuss our issue tonight and the issue that we are going to discuss. That's a continuation of what we started last night. And the reason I, I wanted to continue with this is because, you know, an hour isn't that long to discuss an issue of this magnitude. And particularly uh, watching what has unfolded in the, t- in the short time since I spoke to you last and the time now. And I decided, you know, the, the rapidity and speed of this is so breathtaking. I just had to compare it to um, uh, uh, what, what it says in the uh, in show notes. If you look at the show note page, as I, I call it, the homosexual activist movement, a cultural blitzkrieg. And we're going to resume that discussion. And in the notes I said the extent, the breadth, and most of all the speed of the advance of the homosexual activist movement can be compared to the Nazi advance through Western Europe in the spring of 1940, particularly in the fact that its putative opponents are similarly unprepared to resist it. The Nazi blitzkrieg relied upon striking deep into the vital of its enemies' rear echelons uh, after, by the way, they had identified weak points in their defenses and concentrated what the Germans would call a sure punct. Uh, in other words, a spearhead, a point of of uh, attack, uh, and then to concentrate forces against it and effect a rapid breakthrough. They would then strike deep into the vitals of this enemy's rear echelon areas, uh, headquarters, administrative parks, artillery, uh, batteries, and the like, and they'd move as rapidly as they could, and they wouldn't regard their flank protection. They didn't care too much about protecting their flanks. They just drove into the rear area of the enemy, and they reinforced successful breakthroughs with reserve components dedicated to reinforcing success. And thusly, they wanted to achieve chaos and disruption in the enemy's rear and destroy unit cohesion. Uh, get this. This is important to understand as we continue to talk about what we're talking about. Through panic and uncertainty. Not necessarily in the fact that they were actually being defeated, that units were being destroyed and large numbers of prisoners taken, at least not in the initial stages, but they wanted to sow panic and disorder to make the enemy think he'd been defeated, to get inside his decision cycle and make him do things that were stupid and unwise, tactics that had not been seen before, and Blitzkrieg's victims has no answer for it. Now, how are you saying it? Now, how does that relate to this thing with uh, homosexual rights and Okay, I'm going to tell you how. And it's not as far-fetched as you might think. We are witnessing the cultural equivalent of Blitzkrieg with the homosexual activists' recent successes in weakening the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in Indiana and an irresolute defense, and I'll give you a perfect example. Indiana Governor Mike Pence, he acted like he was utterly befuddled and didn't know how to confront this. Now, I don't think this analogy is reaching too far. I don't think I'm stretching things. I don't think it's wrong as a shorthand description of what's going on today. I think it has merit. Uh, uh, Mike Pence, and now we've just seen Arkansas's governor, Asa Hutchinson, two people who I thought were pretty solid conservatives, simply unable to mount a coherent answer to this blitzkrieg, this veritable onslaught from every quarter. There are actually... At this point now, they actually believe, despite the fact that I I still believe a majority of Americans support, for instance, traditional marriage and and, and keeping marriage between a man and a woman by poll, but at least as far as definition is concerned. But uh, and I even know this this um, uh, particular uh, act has little to do uh, marriage directly. It's no doubt it's impacted by it. Uh, it, it is definitely influenced by the whole issue of uh, a homosexual marriage is intertwined with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. But the conservatives and those of us who are supposed to be on our side are acting as though they don't know how to answer it. I mean, they're, they're just like, well, we don't really want to be seen as 
mean or nasty or against anybody's rights. We're just we're just trying to make sure people can excite. They really, I mean, it's so tepid and so tenuous. They're, 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 it's as though they don't realize they are defending a basic building block of civilization, it's, it, uh, which is marriage. And that's really what this is all about, the defense of marriage. It really is. Now, if you want to look at how you should defend your position, we have an example. And it worked real well. And these people refused to go back and revisit it. But we all saw it. I mean, um, and, and you all know what it is because a lot of you people probably eat there. Did mount, showed how to mount an example that wasn't hateful and wasn't mean or nasty but was absolutely resolute in defending what they believed in. It was Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A showed you how to answer this. They did it. Indiana, these other states, and all these weak-kneed Republicans and so-called conservatives, look at Chick-fil-A. When the PC inquisitors came, they resisted. When When I'm calling the Gestapo, retreated in utter defeat. Now, progressives, and we can witness now, progressives, in fact, become what they once claimed to despise, petty, judgmental, holier-than-thou, moral busybodies. When people attempt to assert the notion or the actual fact that under our Constitution, people have a right, a right, an inalienable right to exercise their religious beliefs Free of governmental prohibition. This is now being derided as hate speech. As hateful. Has any number of terms that are meant to obfuscate and uh, deny what really the issue is. And I'm going to once again, let me just read what it says. You know, First Amendment is not like it's, 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 it's a lengthy tome. It's a couple of sentences. Right? It's just actually kind of one compound, based, almost run-on sentence. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, meaning Congress, the United States Congress, will not establish a state religion. That means United States religion. Or, or, and this is what, you know, the, uh, the liberals and progressives and the other people uh, tend to overlook, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or bridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Well, people in Indiana went to their state legislature and their representatives in the state legislature. And because the cultural Marxist homosexual agenda was attempting to negate uh, their right to exercise their religious beliefs, and, and, to, and, 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 and they saw that there was an, a movement afoot, to negate their ability to exercise their religious beliefs freely in accordance with their con- uh, consciences, they decided they wanted to make sure that under their state law, this could not be done. They, in fact, were taking a page from the federal law, which had been passed under the Clinton administration, only with a bit of expansion. And they went to their legislature, and they asked them to pass an act which would make sure that no person, no businessman in particular, who, say, ran a cake or a floral shop, who would be required to create floral arrangements or birthday cakes for homosexuals against the dictates of his religious conscience. This has created the ensuing hue and cry that's going on today. And this is what, and this is what I'm talking about when I talk about the homosexual activist agenda. This is what I'm referring to. This is what I'm referring to when when I when I talk about this. And this is what the problem is uh uh insofar as our addressing this issue uh f- toward the maintenance of our constitutional liberties. I have to say this is a disclaimer and, and it's regrettable that it's inevitable that it seems we have to do this, but I think that you know uh, one of the things that cultural Marxists do, and I talked about cultural Marxism last night, but one of the things they do is to keep us on the defensive. We have to constantly defend our principled notions 
uh, and, and particularly in defense of the Constitution and uh, the sort of uh, uh, principle rationales that came about from conservative philosophers, particularly those of the church, like St. Thomas Aquinas and others, uh, uh, Enlightenment philosophers like um, Edward Edmund Burke and James Hume and others. Whenever we speak of this, uh, Bastiat on the law, other other great conservative classical liberal, by the way, philosophers, we have to make apologies for them, see, because, you know, they say, well, that's just hate speech. You're just being hateful. You're just being exclusionary. You don't want to include people. You're a bigot. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, this really almost schoolyard, idiotic sort of name-calling which, without much basis in any depth of thought, but very effective as uh, Nazi brown shirts and Nazi brown shirts and Red Front stormtroopers used to do in Germany in the 1930s as they engaged in little uh, uh, street brawls against each other. And remember, Nazis and communists are basically uh, the same side of the, uh, of the coin. Just one's on the right-wing side of the coin, and the communists are on the left side of the coin, and the Nazis are on the right side of the coin. But they're all leftists. Nazis, communists, they're leftists. They're not rightists. They're not conservatives. They're revolutionaries, both of them. Both of them were revolutionary in their outlook and their consequence for society. Completely totalitarian revolutionary. The Nazis were as revolutionary a movement as has ever been seen in the history of mankind. And so are the communists. The only difference between the two of any significance is that Nazis were nationalist and ethnically, racially, genocidally inclined. I'm speaking of Nazis, not just fascists, because the Italians weren't that way. Italian fascists weren't that way, but Nazis were, even though they were both fascists. But communists are internationalists. They want everybody to be a communist, whereas Nazis just want Aryan Germans to be uh, Nazis. But they're still socialists. And, and, that, and that's the thing. And they use the same tactics. And the homosexual activist movement has adopted many tactics that are really effectively brown shirt tactics. I mean, um, you know, but increasingly thugs and bullies with the moral compass or lack of it of Hitler's enforcer and second in command, Ernst Rome, who, by the way, was an out-of-the-closet, no doubt about it, homosexual. He was head of the Sturmabteilung, the Nazi stormtroopers, and he was a avowed homosexual. Pretty much open about it, even in Nazi, 1930s Nazi Germany. But he was an old comrade of Hitler's, a First World War, decorated First World War hero. And he was able to kind of get away with it for a time until Hitler decided to make his purge of the non uh, a night of the long knives and knock them all off. But it's curious to note that the very tactics the homosexual activists tend to use, which is bullying, intimidation, and extortion, were adopted by the homosexuals in the in the uh, Nazi Sturmabteilung, led by Ernst Röhm and his coterie of homosexuals in the leadership of that outfit. I, I really find it fascinating. And it's one thing that homosexuals don't point to pride very much. But, I mean, you don't, you don't see them doing that too much on, on Gay Pride Day. When they're, having their, when they're marches down the street, you don't see too many of them, at least not out in public, wearing Nazi stormtroop regalia. That ain't something that's happening. But uh, look it up, folks. Uh, it, it's, it's a fact of world history, and it should be part of homosexual world history. Like, every every history's got a bad point, but see, homosexuals can't risk. They can't risk any negatives attached to their movement because they're all about deception. When their movement first started getting underway, they were saying, and I remember when you got that, whether it was the Mattachine movement or, or, or Carl Hay, who was one of the leaders of the Mattachine movement, which was a early homosexual uh, activist advocate movement, uh, they were saying, oh, we're not interested in things like homosexual marriage or forcing people to accept the notion of homosexuals. We just want the police to stop raiding our bars all the time and locking us up for being homosexual and that kind of thing. They, marriage? That's absurd. Everybody knows marriage between a man and a woman. They're not interested in anything like that. See, And, and they were saying this kind of thing continuously. Uh, uh, and, and, and the modern roots of the homosexual activists date back to the Stonewall Revolution, a revolt, if you will, in New York, and I believe 1969. I think that's you can, when you can say it really got its start. But look at where we are now. <laughs> now we're at the point where conservatives and people of religious bent actually feel the need to try to convince people they're not trying to be hateful or bigoted by defending yeah, 
uh, either religious freedoms has espoused in the First Amendment of the United States Constitution or traditional marriage, as it has been throughout over 10,000 years of recorded human history. Because there has never been societies in the history of mankind that have openly adopted homosexual marriage as an institution. I don't care what you're talking about, never. It's never happened until now. But it has happened with such astonishing rapidity, I think it does bear a comparison to Blitzkrieg. And again, people who who were caught flat-footed by Blitzkrieg had no answer for it, at least not initially. The Germans not only overran Western Europe, they went into the Balkans, they overran the Balkans, they overran Greece, they overran Yugoslavia, they overran Albania, they ran, overran ev- ran everywhere throughout Europe. They had, con- they had either all of Western Europe either as allies or as uh, occupied uh, uh, satrapies everywhere in Europe. Then they turned their sights on Russia, and they couldn't do the Blitzkrieg really the way the Blitzkrieg intended to do because Russia's just too damn big, and they didn't have the resources, and they couldn't go far enough. But they went as far as they could. They won astonishing victories at first. They were really great big encirclement battles, but they eventually won. But eventually... The Allies figured out how to beat the Blitzkrieg. It would run out of steam. That's how you let it do it. You let them punch themselves silly because you couldn't keep it up logistically over long haul. The Germans didn't have logistics to do it in the Ardennes in 1944, uh, even though they tried. By then they were resource poor, and they were overextended, and they simply couldn't do it. All you had to do was maintain a resolute defense, maintain unit cohesion, and attack their flanks and chop them up. George Patton wanted to let the Germans go all the way to Paris. He said, let them, hell, we got the guts, let them go all the way to Paris. Then we'll really chop them to pieces. And he meant it. But he understood the weakness of it. They will overextend themselves. They will punch themselves out. That's what a lot of conservatives today don't seem to get. That's the lesson they don't seem to understand. I don't think they're ever going to get it. I think what's going to happen is uh, they're going to be intimidated by a particularly business. Now, look, folks. Big corporate business is no friend to conservatives. Never has been, never will be. Now, uh, it, it would seem as if there were people in um, in, the, in the Mike Pence uh, camp who expressed utter bewilderment at the reaction to uh, uh, his his uh, initial acceptance of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in um, Indiana. And it was, it was as though, you know, he, he, they, they or either him or they didn't seem to understand the reaction from the business community. After all, I mean, the governor cut their taxes early in his first session as governor. I mean, he was listing all of his accomplishments as governor of Indiana. And they're quite a bit, actually. Um, two balanced budgets. And, and it's the first half of his first term. Unemployment rate. More than 100,000 new jobs created in Indiana since Mike Pence has been governor. And it seemed like the predicate for a potential 2016 run for president of the United States. But, you know, he just couldn't understand it. And I'm telling you right now, this one thing conservatives better start waking up to or we're doomed and our cause is doomed. Um, big business never back social conservatives. They get their tax cuts. And what is Pence going to do to increase them? And they will pander to damn near every liberal cause out there. They will pander the little behinds off. They'll set up their philanthropic uh, institutions, and they'll contribute big money to them. I mean, tens, hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars to do movies about how homosexuals are oppressed and how the only way to deal with the oppression of homosexuals is to fundamentally transform society into something it's never been intended to do. You've got states like Connecticut, New York, Washington, and it's counting. And they're all going to be blue states, like Aaron Bloody Teagan. They banned non-essential government travel from this state to Indiana in just the six days since Pence signed Senate Bill 101. He just signed it about six or so days ago. And it was, a, and uh, by the way, they did it in a behind-closed-door ceremony on March 26th. <laughs> oh, man, these people really cracked me up, man. I mean, they, they act like they're ashamed of it. Maybe they are. I don't know. Like I said, you know, the irresoluteness of some so-called conservatives is really dismaying to me, but at the same time, quite revealing. Now, we've got Arkansas Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson 
Uh, he's already folding under, saying they need to revisit aspects of this bill. Because after all, Walmart is headquartered in Arkansas, and they're saying they're opposed to the bill. Man, when their masters speak, these guys listen. So, hey, let's face it, folks. You know, they say money talk. Who got more money than Walmart? Walmart is speaking. Hey, I don't, we don't like this bill. We think we might get tarred and feathered just being located in your state. We're not even saying we advocate for it or anything. Just the fact we're here, we're going to be tarred and feathered with your brush. Oh, no. And as a result, it would seem that Asa Hutchinson is responding. Blitzkrieg, folks. Blitzkrieg. We are witnessing a modern-day cultural blitzkrieg. And anybody thinks that the, uh, if anybody thinks that the uh, analogy is overwrought, I got news for you. I don't think it is. I think it's on point and maybe even too restrained. But let's take a little bit more of this and like a little bit more. Of, uh, let's see. Now, uh, the, the homosexual act of the left is a key ally of the progressive movement. Progressive. Progressive. Forward thinking. What does progressive mean? Well, it's really a virtually meaningless term. Without, it doesn't have a clear direction or a real understanding behind it. It's just thrown out there. And another obfuscatory term of the left. And the American left direction has never been based on a study of history or the realities of human ex- existence. or it, it, Most of what they believe is actually contrary to human nature. It has always been based on a cloud-born wish list and a compulsion for uniformity. The same neurotic impulses that drove the infliction of Bolshevik lunacy on Russia and Nazi lunacy on Germany are very much alive and well in Obama's America today. There is no doubt about it. They are the same. They have so much in common. And, and one of the fallacies uh, in their argument and their opposition to conservative um, um, opposition to the homosexual activist movement is expressed in the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, is that almost no one on the side of reason and tradition even bothers to challenge the absurd assumptions made by the homosexual activist movement and the mass media. They just, too many just voice moral outrage, but don't take the time to patiently analyze just how absurd this whole notion is. The, uh, uh, the, is, the debate is not being joined so far as most Americans are exposed to the debate. We need to educate people who claim to be our spokesmen. I'm speaking of conservatives. Not to simply answer slogans with slogans and sloganeering. I mean, that has usefulness at certain points. I mean, because after all, I mean, look, we are dealing with many people who are, frank, let's face it, you know, they're not exactly the brightest bulbs in the room, but they're on our side. And they need, you know, they need help with what they're capable of doing too. Fine. But I'm talking about those who go, and really explain why we believe what we do. We don't need ex-cathedral uh, pronouncements, but at every opportune time, at every opportunity, we got to refocus others on the actual function of marriage in the historical sense, why civilization came up with the institution throughout history. And it has little to do, if anything, with what the left is suggesting in their efforts to rationalize what we call homosexual rights or homosexual marriage. And if this educational campaign is to be properly focused and presented, has the added benefit of restoring a little bit of the esteem that marriage was once upon a time held in until the cultural Marxists got busy worming their way through the institution of traditional marriage, well, so much the better. So much the better. But let's face it, folks. Right now, what are we expecting to come about? We're going to be looking, and I'm sure of it, uh, a Supreme Court decision is probably going to be five to four, imposing on 50 states an entirely new understanding of marriage. And the frenzy of hatred that homosexual activists have stoked up against Indiana for trying to shelter religious believers from crippling lawsuits should wake us up to this reality of what they're trying to do. The age of real tolerance in America is vanishing before your eyes. You are witnessing it. You are witnessing us on the verge of a new millennium, a new milieu. And, and the question is going to be, how do Christians and other people of faith and goodwill respond to this attack? 
Now, these homosexual actors are trying to overturn an act of Congress, which is called the Defense of Marriage Act, on spurious grounds. They also wish to force their libertine view of marriage on the voters in all 50 states. They want to avoid dozens of laws on an issue that is already rested with the states. The Supreme Court in Lawrence versus Texas completely abnegated the right of individual states to create laws against sodomy. Completely took it away from them. Has Roe versus Wade took away their rights to legislate in the area of abortion, at least for the most part. I mean to the point of forbidding it altogether. Now, no state can do that anymore. They've completely taken away the rights of the state to do that. And now they're trying to impose upon all 50 states some sort of view of homes. I guarantee you, I'm almost certain this new um, Supreme Court ruling in the summer, sure to come out in the summer, will undoubtedly say that uh, states have to come up with a version of homosexual marriage that is the precise of heterosexual marriage. So besides, instead of saying that this is a Ninth and Tenth Amendment issue, properly left to the states to regulate because the Constitution is completely, utterly silent about it and, in fact, does not forbid it in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And homosexuals as a class are not protected under the United States Constitution. But that's not going to stop this Supreme Court, especially not with Ruth Bader Ginsburg sitting on there, and especially not with uh, 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 Elena Kagan, especially not uh, with Stephen Breyer, and especially not with um, uh, the other guy. Well, I forget his name right now. You know what I'm talking about. These people will definitely uh, 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 be far for ruling for it. But what they want is a regulatory state to compel every single American to affirm and accept the delusion of same-sex marriage under the same civil and criminal penalties that forbid discrimination by race, because that is forbidden under the 14th Amendment to a lesser extent, the 15th Amendment to the United States Constitution. That's why the federal government has constitutional authority to intervene in matters of unconstitutional um, uh, racial discrimination in the matters in matters of public accommodation, housing, and employment. There is a civil rights law, Act, civil rights act, 1964, Voting Rights Act, 1965, that undergird that constitutional authority given to the federal government. As of now, that doesn't exist in the United States Constitution. But boy, are they working their little behinds off to get it done. But we all know the homosexual thing is nothing like the civil rights issues of the 60s. Comparing the homosexual thing and race is literally like comparing apples and cantaloupes. I mean, race is an immutable characteristic. Now I ask you, how do you know someone is a homosexual? Really? Because they say so? Really? What if I have an ulterior motive or a motive I don't care to tell you about for declaring myself homosexual? Now, I can get bloody well guarantee you, folks. Sarge ain't no homosexual. I ain't got a homosexual instinct in my body whatsoever, except for the fact that I love my brothers in Vietnam and in the Army. They were my brothers and my comrades, and I loved them, but I loved them like brothers. I didn't love them like anything else. That's the closest I come to being a homosexual. But, but what if I had some reason to say, 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 say I wanted to get married. Say I wanted to get married, um, you know, to get, uh, say, my partner's uh, pension benefits. And we in no way were going to consummate the marriage. And my marriage partner was okay with that. And we're legally married. I'm legally married so I can get his pension benefits or I can get his life insurance or I can get any number of benefits that are conferred upon married couples. I could be lying about being, how are you going to know? All I got to do is say I'm a homosexual. Are you going to know I am or not? Really? You're not going to know. I'm just saying I am. Prove I'm not. Homosexuality is not an immutable characteristic. I've known homosexuals to change their minds about being homosexual. Then what are you supposed to classify them as? Reformed homosexuals? Former homosexuals? Like former Marines? Nah, I better not say that. I might get my ass kicked by Dr. Jones when he comes back. Okay. Former whatever. Fill in the blank. No, it's not an immutable characteristic. That's why it shouldn't be protected by civil rights legislation, amongst other reasons. It is a matter of sexual deviancy. Deviant. Deviant in the term that homosexuals deviate from the overwhelming norm of society and civilization. It, at best, according to every study I have read, credible study anyway, homosexuals make up perhaps 4% of the population. Perhaps. Now, they got a lot more sympathizers, believe me. Most of them being cultural Marxists 
and useful idiots and fellow travelers. But they're not homosexual. They're just trying to show their moral probity. See, this is a way, by the way, to obtain new moral certitude and moral rectitude. See, all you got to do is be declaring that you're for... See, traditional morality like sobriety, rectitude, um, uprightness, belief in traditional values, the kind of things that used to get you recognized moral authority, being faithful to your wife, that kind of thing. Well, that's kind of passe these days. You might be considered actually a square if you're actually like that. See, here's the way you get instant moral authority these days in Obama's America. That's the way you get moral authority. Let me tell you, it ain't that old-fashioned stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is where you get into more than not. You got to be on the right side of issues, see. And this, and so even if your own life, you're a, a slackered and a ret- reprobate and uh, a, even a, a massive abortionist, you can get instant moral authority by someone saying, "I'm for homosexual marriage. I'm exclusionary. I'm inclusionary. I'm not exclusionary. I'm not a bigot. I may be blah 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 blah, but I'm not a bigot." And see, this is how you get new moral authority today. <laughs> it's real easy. Easy peasy. It's like pushing one of them buttons on a staple thing or whatever that commercial puts that red button. Easy peasy. Boom. It's made. Ain't this a hoot? But look, I'm having trouble here, folks. I need somebody to talk, talk me off the ledge. I need somebody to come on with me here and, uh, and you know, uh, um, uh, give me a hand. Because, man, I'm in trouble. I can't deal with this. I got a caller right now who seems to want to talk to me. I don't know if he's got anything meaningful to say, but I hope he does. Because, man, I can't take it no more. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself increasingly at a loss for words. And but with Sarge, with me and my tendency to verbosity, that's saying something. But that's the way this issue has hit me. It didn't really kick me around. Then folks out there, and, 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 and look, call in to the C. Robert Jones situation report. Help Sarge out. Give Sarge a break. Sarge needs a hand. I need a hand. I need your help. Help me out here. Tell me how it is I can get through this. And the number to call in to the show is um, 877-666-9305, or um, I'm sorry, 347-884-8500. Again, that number is 884-347, rather, Eric O. Prefix, 884-8500. Give me, give me some help here, folks. Give me some help. I need it. And let me bring up caller in area code 662. You are on the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. What you got to say? You know, what you actually need is some medication and a good swift kick in your ass. That's, that, that's what you need. Because I, I had to have Mary sir, tell me that minute, you were wait on. Minute, sir. You... Wait a minute, wait a minute, sir. Now, now, Don't call now, me, I sir. You. I work for a living. <laughs> Well, wait a minute now. now. I hear you excoriating me. Would you, would you care to identify yourself to the listening public out there? My name is Puddin' Attain. No, please, really identify yourself to the listening public. Allow me. Don't hassle them, man. Come Allow on, me. Do it, do it. Well, okay. this is the former co-host of uh, Rapid Fire with Sergeant Lee, and I thought here all this week that uh, you know, I was asked to help co-host the show, but... I didn't get notified that the show was being done until the good Mary Brockman, you know, and her good graces had the, you know, the uh, the goodness in her heart to notify me and let me know it was actually going on. So now I'm here. And, well, uh, how many times I got to tell you, dude? I mean, you mean you I mean, telling you the time and the place ain't enough? No. No, you got to remind me I'm a busy man. I do things. Oh, you got better things to do than hang out with me. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I get busy. No, it's anyhow, like you're to talk- me. I think, Are you I talking think, about? I know, and I know why. I know why you just said what you said. It's because I'm black, ain't it? Exactly. You are a smart ain't man. Ain't it? Uh, he, he stuttered. Do you notice? Do you notice, folks? He stuttered. He didn't have an answer. I caught him. <laughs> no. No, that's true. That's <laughs> true. It's because you're black. And a redneck, too. A redneck, well, big. Okay, but that's okay, man. Look. Well, you and look, the, 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 the folks out there, they don't need to hear you and me going back and forth on this. Look, man, you got something to say on this matter? Let's hear what you got yeah. to say. Even if it's incoherent, no. spit it out. No, I'm always coherent. I'm always coherent. That's what I mean. 
Um, I just got here. You don't have very much long, you know, left in your show for me to even really get into it. But I'm assuming. Twenty minutes. Okay, I'm assuming since you're you speaking can't get on it the issue. Twenty minutes. Damn, I'm long-winded, but even I ain't that bad. Okay, I'm assuming since you're talking about the homosexual agenda right now, you're 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 referring to what recently just happened this week in the state of Indiana legislature, correct? And Arkansas. Have you heard what happened with Governor Asa Hutchinson? Yeah, he he he, he vetoed a bill. That yeah, would, he, uh, he that said would, his uh, son signed the petition, yeah. so therefore he had to veto a bill. <laughs> Boy, well, well, oh. that guy, that's the kind of guy you want well, in the foxhole with you when yeah. you're about to be overrun, ain't he? That's the kind of yeah. guy I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, legis- let's legislate and decide what we're going to make law based on some emotional grievance and not truth or fact. We don't like that. We just we're going to go ahead and base it all on fiction. But anyhow, so I'm I'm assuming that. <laughs> well, we've been talking about this issue for years, haven't we? Haven't yes, we, been, we have. And what rapid like, fire? Oh, but wait a minute, Lee. What do you think? The fact that we talked about it made it go away. These people no. are emboldened. They have no, been no, no, emboldened. I, they are succeeding. They are winning. Why should yeah. they stop? Well, I'm not so sure they're winning. They are. Um, I believe they are. I, right I have now, the, I believe they're winning. I, I think we, we they, they the are right. in a similar position to the German army in the spring of 1942. Yeah, well, we still I'm have the right kidding. to I'm not kidding. They really are. They're winning. We still have the right to freedom of association, right? Do we or, or, or do we not uh, now? Is, is sometimes it, I wonder about that. But here's the thing. But, but you as a black man, tell me this. I mean, we, 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 we've covered this before. Let's cover it again. The thing that's really troubling Troubling to me, and I don't know if you've seen this, but I've been seeing this the last week, and I kid you not, I've been seeing it, and it's been not shocking me because I knew it would eventually come, but they're equating homophobia with racism. They are literally saying now that if you are um, opposed to homosexuality in any way, shape, or form, then that in itself, homophobia, is a form of racism because Because, because yeah. you are born a homosexual, therefore there's actually a race of homosexual people now. So now you're uh, a race. Lee, what you have just brought up is so vital to understand. It bears closer scrutiny. We definitely don't need to pass over what you just said because it is absolutely vital to understand why they are doing this. You see, the last great civil rights movement that really had pretty much an undisputed stamp of moral authority to it. Because at least in the initial stage, I'm talking about the stages from, say, 1955 through, I'd say, roughly about 1965 or 66. And that's when the rock in it started. It was a civil rights movement. The black civil rights movement for black uh, 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 equality under the law and the Constitution. That was a stamp. Now, even though the problem with it, the problem with it is that it was tinged and influenced by socialists, Marxists, and communists. Now, that was yeah. the seeds for its, um, uh, the destruction of its integrity. But nonetheless, publicly, it behaved morally. Most of the time, or much of the time, when you saw the people with them, they had on suits and ties. They were absolutely dignified. Frequently, they had American flags and were waving them proudly. They referred to the Constitution of the United States and the promises carried within. Martin Luther King, whatever his personal flaws were in the fact that he was a socialist, no doubt about it, and socialism is an inherently evil philosophy. He composed himself in public with utter dignity, eloquence, and character, and courage. So the Civil Rights Movement was clearly noble. Indisputably so, and Americans responded to it largely on that basis. To say nothing about that they eschewed violence, and they were nonviolent. So flash forward today. Well, let's see what uh, what does comes to mind in a lot of people's heads when you talk about homosexuals. A lot of people think about the gay pride parade in San Francisco. A lot of people think about the very activities that give rise, or that homosexuals say. Uh, uh, not not very loudly publicly, but they engage in with each other to express their, quote, love, unquote, to each other. And see, 
this is not. I mean, I, I know that you know, um, you know, this is not really the kind of thing that most people really like to spend a lot of time thinking about. Even if you're a useful idiot and a fellow traveler, so what they do is they appeal to something that had an undisputed air of nobility, and that's two things really: civil rights movement of the '60s under Martin Luther King, and and the tradition of marriage, which through the means of procreation gives rise to new humanity to posterity through the shared love of a man and a woman in holy matrimony bound to each other. So what better way to get there again? When Americans, you know, being badly educated by a bunch of Marxist professors, and that's what they are, Marxism has gotten inroads everywhere, in everything, at all times, all the time. They're being told that um, the, the point of being an American is to be, quote, Fair, unquote, and it'd be fair by Marxist lights, cultural Marxist lights. And fairness means that it's only fair to give homosexuals their own version of marriage that is at odds with the traditional definition of marriage. Now, we're not supposed to note that homosexuals have precisely identically the same rights to marry a man or a woman that I or you have as heterosexuals. No, they just go on this abstract undefined, spurious, amphorous notion of cultural Marxist, quote, fairness, unquote. This is what we're dealing with now. And we got so-called spokesmen who don't know how to effectively respond to it, which is really one of the worst parts of it. They're befuddled and fused like the French generals to, 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 to the Nazi blitzkrieg. When they broke through in the Ardennes and went around behind the Madison online, these French generals didn't know what the hell to do. That's what I got. Listen to Mike Pence, listen to Asa Hutchinson, listen to many of these so-called conservative spokesmen. Man, they're just lost. The only person I can think of, and there are they're more than just this person. Forgive me if I'm not giving all of you credit. But the best single spokesman to respond to this fascism, and that's what it is, cultural Marxist fascism, that's what we're witnessing. Two are not in uh, uh, mutually exclusive. Marxism, fascism, two sides of the same coin. Or one side of the same coin. I got you want to phrase it. This cultural Marxist fascism that we're witnessing was effectively responded to like by people like Alan Keyes. Nobody can define it better. No one can respond to uh, culture, history, and really out debate and rebut these intellectual pygmies on the left. Now I call them intellectual pygmies, but again, they are very effective agitators. There are too many people better than cultural Marxists that agitate. These people can agitate, agitate, agitate like nobody else you've ever seen at any time in history. So when you said, Lee, that uh, the civil rights movement uh, and trying to compare homophobia to racial bigotry, that's a very well-considered tactic. And I might add, very effective, really effective. They know what they're doing in that sense. They know how to demagogue. Believe me, they do. Still there, Lee? I lost Lee. Okay, Lee took off. But Lee was right. Folks, Lee was absolutely right. Um, now, these activists are using the power of city governments, like you got in San Francisco, to intimidate schools into abandoning Christian teaching on sexual ethics. Now, these zealots corrupt the academic authorities who grant accreditation in order to financially cripple schools, schools like Gordon College that maintain Christian morals clauses as part of their hiring policies. Those who defend the reality of marriage, including even unbelievers and agnostics like myself, who defend freedom of religion and association, we're not just simply wrong. We're bigots and haters. We deserve to be fined, boycotted, and bankrupted. Um, deserve to lose their jobs. Like the guy, uh, remember a little while ago, this guy named Brendan Ike. He was the ex-CEO of Mozilla. Uh, remember he got fired for expressing his belief in traditional marriage? Um, Elton John right now is hoping to break Dolce and Gabbana. Of, uh, uh, as an Apple CEO, Tim Cook, wants to break the entire state of Indiana. Politicians are joining with the Connecticut governor. Seattle and Fran uh, San Francisco mayors are banning official travel to Indiana. And it went from bakers and florists to schools to entire states. Do you understand the trajectory of this, the arc and the trajectory of this? It is unmistakable. It is indisputable. We can't.
cannot sound the alarm loud enough. That is, if you believe there is a place for traditional morality and marriage. Cannot sound the alarm loud enough. These people are at full charge. They're at full tilt. They got their panzers running, and they are breaking through everywhere. Now, states like Indiana are, are, are not giving Christians a pass to broadly discriminate against homosexuals. Religious freedom laws deal with the very narrow questions of whether, in most cases that is, whether vendors can be forced by the state to participate in religious ceremonies that violate their own religious consciences. And if you look at the fanatical response to this essentially modest bill, which is pretty much identical to a federal law upheld by the courts and have bills on the books in 20 other states, now how long do you think it'll be for the call comes out for bigots like me and Lee to be locked up? First Amendment won't protect us if leaders like Hillary Clinton have their way in public statements in which he followed Barack Obama in replacing the Constitution free exercise with freedom of worship. Man, I mean, don't miss this. Don't miss this message. I mean, you can say what you want in church for an hour every Sunday, but the rest of the week belongs to us, the cultural Marxists and the government. Your homophobic beliefs deserve no more protection than the religious use of peyote. And if you don't think that's scary, hey, I do. I definitely do. Get into your minds. Get in that mental place where you're going to be able to face the persecution that's coming. You're going to be vilified in especially venomous ways, even within the church, by liberal progressive Catholics who also believe in abortion, seeking to twist the church into an instrument of social reengineering. And these liberals and these progressives, they didn't, they, they're most of the homosexual activist movement. It ain't homosexual. There ain't that many of them. But they're actual heterosexual liberals and progressives. And they scold us on the subject of being tolerant, not to make us better people, but to give themselves more elbow room to alter society until liberals uh, get more insinuated into positions of power. And then the liberals can be intolerant toward those of us who are not liberal, and then it won't matter anymore. Folks, we are headed for a state, a state unlike we've never seen in history before. The closest that might come to it might be uh, the French Revolution. That may, or, or outside of that is, say, the Cultural Revolution in Red China, or the Bolshevik Revolution in, the old, in old Russia before it became the USSR. We are looking at the kind of state that's about to be imposed upon us that our framers and our Constitution does not allow. It is an Orwellian world of thought control. And it's going to be imposed by the state. And all of you who think otherwise, keep your eyes tuned to this channel and others. We'll tell you, because it's coming at you, baby. And you ain't going to have much to say against it. That's right. You ain't going to have much to say against it. We're entering a phase, I believe, of darkness and totalitarianism. This country is becoming disconnected from everything it once was, once represented, and the principles upon which it was founded. Sometimes, you know, these things aren't all that noticeable to people on the ground floor when they're happening. You have to, but you really do in the matters of this. You have to consciously incorporate a bigger view, a wider perspective, a historical and cultural um, 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 perspectives that really grasp the gravity of what's going on. We're far closer to that supposedly distant collapse breakup than any of us really imagine because there are tens of millions of us who will simply not go along with this. And if marriage were just a spiritual covenant, maybe it wouldn't matter that much. Maybe, although it probably would. But it's not. It's way, 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 way more than that, folks, fellow sports fans. It's the fundamental building block of any decent civilization, of civil government, of the economy, and the only real guarantee for our actual posterity, those of our descendants who have not even been born yet. That's what posterity is. And if you say you don't want the traditional civil institution of marriage and its traditional definition anymore, it's to say you don't want a civil society and a civil government. 
No matter how much these modern, quote, rights, unquote, groups say, no matter what they use the word equal, they don't mean it. They don't want to be regarded as equal with the supposed oppressors. They want to be regarded as better than the supposed oppressors. They want to be given special treatment in all situations, and they want to enter into law that they will be treated with deference. They will be your masters in a sense. I don't care if you talk about radical feminists. I'm talking if you care about the people in the racial industrial complex. I don't care if you're people in the radical immigration movement in La Raza, in Atslan, in La Mecca. They all have the same essentials. All of them. They believe they're better than their opponents and that uh, there's, there needs to be a collective punishment for pre- real and imagined past transgressions. And modern uh, radical homosexual rights activists are actually supremacists. They really believe, many of them, and remember, my beef here is not with individual homosexuals. I am not against individual homosexuals who simply want to live their lives uh, uh, and, and exercise their constitutional rights in accordance with their constitutional duties under the laws of the state that presently exist and who would advocate via the legislative process for changes they think are only fair and necessary. I'm, not, I'm talking about the activists. The leftists, the cultural Marxists, that's who I'm addressing in this show. I'm not talking about anyone else. Um, they believe they're better than, and they believe in a collective uh, a punishment and transgression. And I'm telling you, folks, it, look, we better start be able to muster a coherent argument against what's going on. We need to have a coherent instead of just sloganeering and ex-cathedra uh, pronouncements. We need to get with it, and if we don't get with it, we're all going out. Like, like, like the framers of the Constitution said, we shall most assuredly either hang together or we'll hang separately. And more importantly, our society will hang separately. And folks, look, uh, I want you all to come back tomorrow. I mean, I probably won't be, we'll be discussing a new topic tomorrow. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but trust me, I'll try to make it interesting. I'll try to make it lively. I want to see you all come back here. I'm uh, really proud and pleased that you showed up to listen to me hosting the C. Robert Jones Report. And uh, trust me, tomorrow we'll have a great deal of fun, a great uh, great time. But I'm going to go out with the uh, theme that I'm using for the show in Doc Jones' absence because I really like it. I just like the way it sounds. So I'll listen up to it until tomorrow. <laughs> della vita e che Roma abbia detto la sua parola We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well funded. The other day the oil companies reported the highest And guess what this liberal would be all about? This liberal will be all about socializing. Uh, um, would be about basically taking over and the government running all of your companies. Uh, to that extent, as radical as I think people try to characterize the Warren Court, uh, it wasn't that radical. It, it didn't break free from the essential constraints that were placed uh, uh, by the founding fathers in the Constitution. And one of the, uh, I think, uh, the tragedies of the civil rights movement, uh, I think that there was a tendency to lose track of the political and community organizing and, and activities on the ground that are able to put together the actual coalitions of power through which you bring about redistributive uh, change. They've got a chance of success, too. I think when you spread the wealth around, it's good for I brought up the subject of what's going to happen after we take over the government. Uh, you know, we we become responsible then for administrating, you know, 250 million people. I ask, well, what is going to happen to those people that we can't re-educate, that are die-hard cap- capitalists? And the reply was that they'd have to be eliminated. And when I pursued this further, they estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill 25 million people. 
I want you to imagine sitting in a room with 25 people, most of which have graduate degrees from Columbia and other well-known educational centers, and hear them figuring out the logistics for the elimination of 25 million people. And they were dead serious.